One of the things that I've loved about working for the AIUM is that no one ever told me no. And so when I saw opportunity, I tried it out and I was given permission to experiment and it's allowed me to wear so many different hats in the organization and keep my interest. And I feel like I really have had a role to play in growing this organization to where it is today. And when I interview people and we select someone for a job at the organization, I tell them that. And I tell them, here are the keys to the organization. If you see things, if you want to try stuff, bring it on. Because that's a way to encourage the future of the individuals within our organization and ensure that we've got diversity and we're really thinking differently as we move forward. This is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Glynis Harvey, CEO at the American Institute of Ultrasound in Medicine, or AIUM. Glynis, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joanna. It's an honor to be here. Hey, so Glynis, tell us about AIUM. So AIUM is a membership organization formed in the 1950s, and it's focused on improving the quality of medical ultrasound and championing the growth of the discipline. Tell us about the membership, how many members you got, and they're in different disciplines these days, aren't they? They are. So we're a very diverse group of individuals, and that's oftentimes what makes us unique and is our greatest asset. It's also our Achilles heel at times. So we're comprised of physicians, sonographers, allied health professionals, like physical therapists, nurse practitioners, physician assistants even. And then we have scientists, we have engineers, and we have members of industry. So real melting pot of the different disciplines that all focus on ultrasound. And what brings them together is they want to learn more about ultrasound, they want to get better at it. And I've talked with some of my other guests and some of my clients about how sometimes individuals have an association that's their primary home, and then they'll have secondary associations. So who are you primary for? So, well, well, we're probably primary for no one, (laughs) Ah. except for possibly the people who are true zealots of ultrasound. We have a small group of our our membership who ultrasound is the center of their world. And so we are well aligned to meet the needs of that group and be the convener, be the community for those individuals who really get what ultrasound can do for the patient care. And Glennis, ultrasound is booming. Yes, it is. Ultrasound is growing by leaps and bounds. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that the equipment has become miniaturized over time and it's become more affordable at the same. So having the miniaturization and the affordability has now made it so that ultrasound can be attained, the machines can be attained and usable by just about anyone in the healthcare profession. Once again, that's a blessing and a curse. It's great to get the proliferation of ultrasound, but the ultrasound is a bit of an art. 
more so than a science. And if you're not doing the, the procedures correctly, it can undermine the value of ultrasound and lead to additional imaging. And that can be certainly not a good situation for patient care. I'm familiar with ultrasound because I have two boys. And when I was pregnant, you know, I would go in regularly for ultrasounds. And I've had physical therapy on my knee. And the physical therapist would often do an ultrasound on the knee. And so what are some maybe applications or uses of ultrasound that your average listener doesn't know about? What's new in ultrasound? So musculoskeletal ultrasound is a key area. The neat thing about musculoskeletal ultrasound is that oftentimes when you have pain in the muscular system, you feel the pain when you're actually doing whatever it is that's causing the pain. If you get an MRI or a CT scan, you have to hold still while the imaging takes place. And so they can't necessarily capture what's going on. But ultrasound, you can actually move that body part at the time you're doing the scan. And so you can see what's happening with the musculature, the tissues, the derma, all those areas can come into play. And it gives you a much more well-rounded picture of what's going on underneath the surface. Wow. We're going to talk about the things that AIUM is doing differently to thrive. But let's talk about your journey. How did you get to become CEO of AIUM? It's been quite a journey. I will say that. It always is. <laughs> and as and I think most people say, I found association management by chance. I started with the organization back in 1990, which is incredible. The time has flown all these years. But I started at the very bottom of the rung. It was a brand new position that the board had approved for an administrative assistant. The day I started, our executive secretary resigned and the executive director pulled me into his office and started asking me questions. And I said, I feel like I'm in an interview. <laughs> and he said, well, would you like this position? And so I took on that position just a couple of weeks into my tenure at the organization, which was incredible because it put me in the boardroom from the very beginning. And so I've been doing the minutes for the organization, writing the history of the organization since the spring of 1991. So in 1992-93, computers started to come into play, and my husband was involved in computers, and he said, you need a website. And I said, well, what's that? <laughs> and so he helped me learn K-Shell and programming. We got our, our domain name set up. Wow. He taught me to build our first website. So I managed the website, and then it came time to look at our AMS. And so the leadership said, hey, you know, you seem to have a knack for computers. My background is in journalism, advertising with a minor in psychology and anthropology. Wow. So why I'm in computers, I don't know, but it did resonate well. So I helped with the selection of our AMS. Your membership database. That's right. And then I took on the role of IT director. And then I was also doing all of the leadership, the governance activities. So I had this very cumbersome title communications slash IT director. And then our publication person left and I took on managing our journal. And so I just kept on trying new things within the organization. And one of the things that I've loved about working for the AIUM is that no one ever told me no. Ah. And so when I saw opportunity, I tried it out and I was given permission to experiment. And it's allowed me to wear so many different hats in the organization and keep my interest. And feel like I really have had a role to play in growing this organization to where it is today. And when I interview people and we select someone for a job at the organization, I tell them that. And I tell them, here are the keys to the organization. If you see things, if you want to try stuff, bring it on. Because that's a way to encourage the future of the individuals within our organization and ensure that we've got diversity and we're really thinking differently as we move forward. So, Glennis, you have the unique situation of 
almost having been in every department at AIUM. So you know this organization inside and out, and now you're leading it. What's it like to be at the helm of an organization that you've known for so long, and now you're taking it to new places? What's changed as CEO in terms of your mindset and what you focus on? That is actually a great question. It keeps me up at night worrying that I'm going to be that old, irrelevant person sitting at the helm. And so I do see opportunity within the ultrasound space. And I feel a sense of urgency that we cannot be complacent about what we do. And so driving change in the organization is one of my key mantras every single day. Well, that's a great position to be in. So let's talk about AIUM. So ultrasound is booming. It's everywhere. And it's I guess, getting miniaturized and, you know, having more applications. And you're trying to take advantage of this growth by doing things differently. So let's start with your conference, which is around the corner. Tell us about UltraCon. Our conference is uh, March 25th to the 29th, 2023. So tensions are high. Excitement is high. We've put on a conference for almost uh, every year of our existence. So we're approaching our 75th conference in a couple of years. And it's always been the AIUM annual meeting. And it's flat, right? It's not exciting. It's our biggest event of the year. It's our gathering of our community, our zealots. There's a lot of enthusiasm, but from an outsider's perspective, no one wants to go to the AIUM annual meeting. So what we did was we took a step back and we thought about how do we rebrand the meeting to be different? This is an opportunity now with COVID behind us to really rethink how we gather. So spent a lot of time in strategic planning with our board of governors. And in June this past year, the board decided that it wanted to embark on a new journey, a new annual meeting. We've uh, coined it UltraCon. Mm, So even the name changed. The name changed. So bright, brilliant colors, really thinking outside of the box. We got rid of our speaker model, which we had uh, about 400 speakers coming in and talking to an audience of about 400 additional people, which... To me, that didn't seem like the balance was right there. So in blowing up the model, we started with our community leaders. We have 21 communities of practice, and our traditional content had been based around these 21 silos. So if you can imagine, you've got programming from 21 different areas coming in. A lot of it's duplicative. You had pediatric contrast and contrast pediatrics, and neither group wanted to relinquish control over the content to the other. And so tried to level the playing field. So we asked all of these community leaders to come up with topics they thought were relevant for the future. We got like 130 responses. Wow. So sifting through all of that, we came down with some commonalities, some overlap, and we distilled that down to 30 different topical areas. We then took those 30 from our database for an upvote. So we had about 40,000 people who voted, uh, who had the opportunity to vote up the topics. And we came up with eight topics that resonated across disciplines, across specialties, across career pathways. So really well-rounded topical areas to build content around. We then went back to our community leaders and asked them if they would be willing to put forth a champion who could help work on developing out the content here. So a champion for the whole conference or a champion for each of the topics? For each of the topics. So we did do language tweaking to make it very playful, very superhero, ultra conny. Ah. Trying to kind of make sure we were weeding out those who were more of the traditionalists and focused on people who were looking at the conference in a very different way. Then that worked well. 
We ended up with about 80 different individuals that we then brought into our headquarters office in November to work through building out programming, the scaffolding for the programming for these different eight topical areas. And we brought in an outside facilitator who was an expert in decision acceleration. Ah, so not an expert in event planning, but in decision making. Yes. And they also were very good about audience participation in the decision making capacity. So we went through a series of exercises over two days where the group came together into one big group. And then they also then divided out into cottages and then they cross pollinated across cottages to iterate on their structure for the different symposia. And by practicing these activities, we also then asked them to bake these types of activities into the way that they're presenting their content. So instead of being a traditional didactics, you have a speaker at the podium and the audience is falling asleep all day long. Now we're trying to to practice what we preach. Just much more interactive sessions, it sounds like. Yes. (laughs) You had 80 people kind of blowing up the conference. Did you blow it up? What's UltraCon like and how's it different from your traditional annual meeting? So we tempted to blow it up in a big way. I think we're like two thirds of the way there okay? because it is still hard to get out of what we've always done before. And in the spirit of superhero activities during the conference, everyone received a pocket protector because we're all nerds at heart. (laughs) Everyone received a pair of Clark Kent glasses so that they could be incognito at times when they needed to be. And everyone received a test tube full of bubbles. And so the test tube was the antidote to what we've always done before. And Ah. so as they're working through the weekend, if they heard what we've always done before or something that sounded like that, they could blow bubbles to show awareness to others. Maybe we need to be rethinking this. So we had some bubbles blown and we still went down some traditional paths regardless. But I think what we've come up with is a much different format than what we've had in the past. So we've got these eight different topical areas Two take place each day over the course of the four days. They're a bit threaded. So one topical area on Sunday then kind of flows into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We culminate on Wednesday with the future of ultrasound, Ah. which I think is going to be a fantastic event. They named it Breaking the Sound Barrier. Nice. Which I just love. Love. (laughs) And attracting a very diverse audience. We also have infused some other fun activities. We've worked with the Academy for Radiology Research and Biomedical Imaging, who have held an imaging shark tank each year through the Radiological Society of North America. They've partnered with us. So we have a shark tank, ultrasound shark tank embedded in our our program where we're bringing in an IP lawyer, a venture capitalist, some other leadership to be on a panel. And it's not about the product or service that the pitch is about. It's about how to present your pitch to venture capitalists and to navigate the landscape. In concert with that, we also have a session called Shark Bait 101, how to get your patent out there. And so trying to think about some of the softer areas around skill building versus just clinical application of ultrasound, I think is what makes this conference somewhat unique. Quite frankly, we can do didactic education, deep dives in any one of these 21 topical areas at any point in time throughout the year. And they can go into their primary society, as we discussed earlier, to get some of that as well. So how do we make UltraCon something where everybody comes together and is focusing on the skills that are going to make everyone better at ultrasound specifically? It sounds like you've reinvented the conference, renamed it. The format is different. How's it going with registration? It's going great. Yes. It's been fantastic. 
When I brought in the 80 people, the champions in the fall, we also brought in the entire staff. We're a staff of just under 30 people. And we wanted to make sure everyone had to roll to play in UltraCon. So we had a series of tasks, logistical tasks that needed to take place. And so you either were were volunteering or voluntold <laughs> to participate in one way or another towards the execution of our symposia workshop. And then building on that into what we are calling the road to UltraCon based on the great game of business. Okay, so tell us about the game. And this is something that you're doing internally with the staff. You've almost gamified the planning to UltraCon. That's right. Within the staff. So tell us about the great game of business. So the great game of business is centered around giving staff the financial acumen to help make better decisions to further the organization. And it's centered around goal setting and achievement. And everybody wins when we achieve our goals, which is what we all want. This is our first experiment with the Great Game of Business, and so we'll plan to roll this out across all of our initiatives. But for specific to UltraCon, we have 10 weeks. We started out at the beginning of the year, 10 weeks to UltraCon, and every week the entire staff gathers on Friday to see how we did in reaching our metrics for the week. And we tried to keep it simple. So metrics are around registration revenue, registration numbers, industry revenue, some of the softer type milestones around getting ultrasound equipment in for our hands-on components, that kind of thing. And we're in week seven. We've won all six weeks. And I really didn't think that we'd make it this far. Our goals were lofty and aggressive. And it's been awesome to see how the staff has stepped up. Wow. One thing that I've been talking with staff quite a bit about is Maybe we can't make a direct impact on a certain initiative, but maybe we can make work lighter for others so that they can focus on what matters. And that gets us to our goal. And that counts just as much. So I've seen staff step up from other departments to from finance to help with registration activities so that it frees up the events team so that they can focus on other things to help us meet our goal. Oh, oh, oh. So this is brilliant. You get together as an organization to say, here are the goals for the week. And if somebody doesn't have direct tasks, they might be able to help another department so that the whole organization meets their goals. So everybody from the finance team to IT to communications to administration to event planning, they have roles to play. That's right. That's right. And everybody wins when we meet our goals for the week. And so it's a hopefully an inclusive way of practicing goal setting and the things that we need to do to make a difference in what we're trying to accomplish as organizations. I love it. So instead of the events team being in charge and doing most of the work, the whole organization is really working on UltraCon. And this is important because it probably brings in a great deal of revenue and it's the largest concentration of your membership. And it's kind of an identity event for you, a signature event. Exactly. We set up some prizes related to the activities. So every week there's a different prize and the events team was the one that came up with it. Our marketing team came up with what the goals and the prizes would look like. And so we've had a virtual happy hour where everyone got a cocktail kit Nice. and we played some games online. We had a virtual coffee chat. Everyone got a half a day vacation. I think what's riding this week is a full day of an extra day of vacation. Oh, there was a hundred dollar bonus in there. So some just Small, fun things for everyone to do. A lot of it to bring this team back together again. So, you know, virtual lunch or something where we're celebrating together and celebrating our wins. And I think that's one of the things that I've been challenged with over time is how do we celebrate when we we get to our wins? And the great game is a great framework for being able to do that in an effective manner and kind of keep the cadence and keep our sights on what we're trying to accomplish. 
I'll have to put a reference in the show notes to the great game of business. Glynis, you've got some really big goals that you're trying to do. So if I may, you say that you want to change ultrasound by 2030 and you want to infiltrate the healthcare systems. Talk to us about that. What will ultrasound look like in 2030? So in 2030, we anticipate that ultrasound will become even more ubiquitous. And right now we're an individual membership association trying to attract the attention of some very busy individuals to help them get better at ultrasound. Sometimes that doesn't resonate as much as we'd like it to be. So the thought is if we're going to change the quality of ultrasound in a significant way by 2030, that we maybe need to be having these conversations with large healthcare systems and working from the top down rather than trying to work from the bottom up. And so one aspect of this is through a visioning process where I'm capturing what the organization is in 2030 and talking in great detail about all the really awesome things that we did during the, the 2020s to get us where we are today. And then we'll be working with the board So we have the foundation already of our strategic plan. So this is kind of putting a narrative to that plan. So we already have the buy-in and the excitement from the board. But then we'll take this narrative and we'll put it in front of each of them individually and we'll ask them several questions. You know, what about this excites you? What about this scares you? What's missing from this narrative? And we'll continue to iterate on that until we have a final product that we can then share out to the membership to potential members, to all of our customers. So there's clarity around who we are, what we do, what we're trying to accomplish, and hopefully then get the buy-in from a greater level of constituents to achieving our goal. And that is brilliant because in the process, you'll be testing out potential messages for the new vision and for reaching different audiences. Yes. And we're not going to get it right. So that's not the point. The point is to put that out there and to start making our way forward. And as we learn new things, as we gather data, we can pivot, we can adjust, but we know what we're trying to accomplish at the end of the day. Wow. So Glennis, a lot going on in the next few months. I hope that you will come back and report on Ultracon, but also talk about the new vision. So please come back in like six months or something. Oh, that would be fantastic, Joanna. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye! Bye!